Hello and welcome back to Over the Top Football. I'm joined as ever with John. John, how are you, mate? Not too bad, Rob. Not too bad. Late start this morning. That's my bad. Apologies. But uh, looking forward to kicking off the pod and discussing some potential transfers. Of course, we're the world's most professional football podcast. So on occasion, we'll start a little bit later than we're supposed to. But it's it's all good. I'm all looking for very much forward to today's topic, which is... Um, the players who are rumoured to go to your club and they should be looking at... Sorry, it's actually ones who are not rumoured to go to your club, but it's ones who they should not, who they should be looking at. Um, we kind of discussed this because now with Fabrizio Romano, with a BBC Gossip Column, it kind of seems like clubs have several or several links all of the time um, towards players who are coming to them and certainly any deal apart from maybe Danny Ings that comes through in the transfer window everyone knows a few days out it always seems like uh, you get the news before they even have their medical so yeah we wanted to discuss some names that maybe you haven't heard links to your club maybe you flat out haven't heard um, but we thought would be interesting transfer rumours that we've made ourselves do you think that's a fair assessment John? Yeah, absolutely. It's more you might see these players being linked with other clubs and you think, why wouldn't they, shouldn't they go to my club? And um, we've sort of analysed the Premier League teams as much as we possibly can analyse Luton and Sheffield United and try to assess what they need um, against players who aren't being linked with them. So there are a few players that I thought of, looked at the club, and then there was a few Twitter links and I went completely note even those types of things so these players will not have any formal link to any of the clubs that they're being recommended for which makes things a little bit more interesting nice unless of course that has happened between about 11 p.m and 7 a.m and we know the football transfer world moves fast um i know in the kind of two three days that we were doing these notes kind of some clubs filled their positions and things like that so the world does move very fast, so make sure you listen to this episode as soon as possible because, yeah, things may have moved on afterwards. So we'll start up with Arsenal. Uh, we're doing this alphabetically. Who is your name and your position for Arsenal? Yeah, Arsenal's a tricky one. So I've sort of taken it that they're signing Timber. They've got Rice. Um, so I've sort of thought those two positions don't need to be filled at this point. And their squad depth is quite good now with the signing of Havertz. Um, so I struggled with Arsenal, but I, I went for Jeremy Frimpong from Bayern Leverkusen, um, an outstanding attacking fullback, started off in the academy at Man City and obviously broke through at Celtic. He's had a really sort of breakout season, a really excellent season at Bayern Leverkusen this summer, or the last season. Um, played 34 times, scored eight goals, got seven assists. Ben White's been playing at right back, um, naturally a centre-half, as we all know. And Frimpong provides that sort of perfect role, perfect link as a out-and-out right-back who can get up, attack, provide that extra creativity. And I know they at times play with the inverted fullback with Sinchenko, and Frimpong just might give them that additional width at the fullback position that they might need at certain points of the season. Yeah, interesting you say that. I actually thought about him too. However, I did kind of think it might be too much of a stylistic change-up 
uh, which could work for the right games. Um, so I actually went for midfield as well. Uh, so I went for Jonathan Lepinot. Um I FB refed Moises Caicedo just to basically try and find a cheaper alternative. If you're going to spend 105 million on Rice, you probably don't have the 90 million to spend on Caicedo. But it looks like Arsenal, if they got a good offer from Saudi, would let Thomas Partey go. So mm-hmm. it's probably worth like getting a guy in who's a little bit younger and can bed into that midfield in the next year or two so that you can facilitate Tapate being out of the door later. Um, so he's Leon, plays for Leon, who need to sell, by the way. They need to um, raise some serious funds. There was talk about them having to sell their women's team uh, because they're so low on funds. But he's 20 years old, 31 apps in League 1 last year, 90% pass accuracy, 2.72 tackles per 90. He would be a long line of kind of players from France going over to Arsenal. And yeah, I think that one makes a lot of sense. And I'm not entirely sure what they would charge for him, but Kakare, they've got higher value assets. So potentially you could kind of get him in at the 20 million range, which could be a snip for a guy with really high promise. Excellent. Yeah, I can't say how much know, I know much about him. Um, and I can't say I'm impressed with the FB ref cheat code that you've used, but... It makes sense if you're looking at it that way. Um, decent, decent options. I looked at centre midfield as well because that is somewhere that they will be looking at after race. I know they've been linked with uh, Lavia as well. Whether that happens or whether he goes to Liverpool, we'll wait and see. But two solid options to kick the podcast off. Yeah, for sure. So hit me with your Aston Villa pick next, please. So I've actually stayed with Bayern Leverkusen again. Um, I'm sort of tearing their team apart pretty quickly. Again, analysing Aston Villa, looking at the business that they've done so far in the market, um, bringing in the likes of Pau Torres, which is an incredible signing for the money that they're spending. They definitely have a little bit more money to spend in this market. And I went for Moussa Diaby at Baron Leverkusen, um, an outstanding winger. For me, I would see him playing on the left side of Aston Villa's front three. They obviously have that void following the relatively unsuccessful stint of Felipe Coutinho, who they likely will look to to get rid of this summer if the right offer comes in place. Um, but just a really outstanding winger. Um, added nine goals, eight assists in 33 appearances last summer or last season. I've done it again. Um, fits into you know very, very high up in terms of statistics when it comes to potential you know XG goals. Um, total shots that he has in game he, he's very creative he goes for um, efforts from all sorts of angles but I think he would be an excellent link up player alongside Leon Bailey and Ollie Watkins in the front three for Aston Villa this summer and um, and could provide the additional width and speed that Unai Emery might look or might need for the upcoming season at Aston Villa Yeah I like it I think it's ridiculously punchy uh, the other clubs kind of linked to him have been Real Madrid, Newcastle. So it, it could it could work for Villa. Like at, at different points, I, I, I went for I went for a few of these. <laughs> I went okay. for a few players that really shouldn't join the club. But I mean, none of us would have thought the Pau Torres would go to Villa. So I think Unai Emery does have that pool, and obviously they're now working with European football as well. Yeah, well, I was gonna say that. Yeah, Pau Torres. And uh, once upon a time, Leon Bailey, you wouldn't have thought, would have gone there. 
So, yeah, they do have a bit of pull. Um, slightly different for Paul Torres because he'd worked with Emery extensively beforehand. Um, I went a very different line. Um, Villa play with two strikers often, but really there's only Ollie Watkins, Danny Ings and Cameron Archer. So I kind of just thought, who's a guy who can rotate in there, get some minutes and has a bit of Premier League experience? And that's Patson Dacker. Now, four goals, four assists in the league last year doesn't exactly sound ex- outstanding. Uh, but I think he's an OK rotation option. He's got goals in the Europa League. He's done that pretty consistently um, for Leicester. Um, so, yeah, he allows you to play two up top, rest the two uh, main guys. He's a good speedy option as well if they want to play a bit of counter-attacking football. And he's a good age profile to come in in his early 20s when your other two guys are late 20s or 30s. So I think he's a solid, inexpensive option. Maybe get him for around 10, 15 million and allows Villa to build elsewhere. Nice. Makes sense. I quite like Pat Daka as well. Um, I think there is a player there and someone could get him for relatively cheap. So that is a solid suggestion as well. Um, next on the list, Bournemouth, I believe. Do you want to kick things off? Yeah, big Bournemouth. So they need a defensive central midfielder, in my mind. Jefferson Lerma has gone, and he, more than anything else, is just a minute soaker-upper. I think he had their most minutes of any outfield player last year. Um, and he has some decent defensive stats. So, uh, yeah, his he had a lot of green on FB ref. Um, however, he was 29, I believe, um, and was not a brilliant ball progressor. So I thought Bournemouth, they've got good owners. They are willing to spend consistently in that kind of 25 to 30 million range. I think they should take a look at Tyler Adams, obviously relegated with Leeds, but he was a top 99% player for tackles last year. He's 24, top 97% for blocks as well. Um, But he has about a 1% to 2% better pass accuracy than Lerma and has two more progressive carries per 90. So in theory, obviously you are spending the money, but you're getting a fairly reasonably better centre midfielder in there you're going down the Bournemouth new kind of line of getting these players in their early 20s I think this one makes a lot of sense it does it does I I had actually looked at Tyler Adams as well but stayed away slightly because he has been linked with West Ham as um as Declan Rice's replacement which I think would be a really good sending for them as well but I completely agree with you on the centre defence midfielder role and I might actually tap into your knowledge of this player because I've went for Oliver Skip um, as a potential replacement for... Uh, I've just completely forgot his name. <laughs> for Jefferson, Jefferson who's walking out the door to go to Crystal Palace. I thought Oliver Skip, it could be a really good move, whether it's a permanent move, whether it's a loan move. Um, I think it would fit for him and for Bournemouth in this occasion to get him game time to show what he's about. And I think he could fill that void really nicely. Obviously, you, you'll you watch them more than I do. And I think you are a fan of Oliver Skip. Yeah, I do like Oliver Skip. And it's also not um, unheard of. Bournemouth have taken Adam Smith from us before, from kind of like the youth ranks. So it's not an unknown pathway. Yeah, he's a actually genuinely quite brilliant ball carrier from deep. Um, his passing is kind of short and not particularly incisive, but he does the simple stuff well. Um, 
obviously, I think he was uh, Norwich's player of the year when they came up from the championship. And he's had a few man of the match performances for Spurs, but he's just never been able to get kind of consistency in his game time. He's not been a starter really ever and has kind of always come in when someone's been injured. I don't know if Tottenham will let him go just because of the current injury to Benton Kerr. He doesn't look like he'll be available till late on in this year. However, Hoybier, Benton Kerr, Bissouma, Skip, Pap Mate Sar, like one of them is probably going to have to go, particularly if Postacoglu wants to start playing two eights in his midfield three. So yeah, it's it's not a terrible shout. Um I don't know what kind of fee would get him because he is a uh, homegrown player to Tottenham. That's important. So you might have mm-hmm. to pay slightly over the odds, probably again towards that 30 million that Tyler Adams may get you. Um, but yeah, I certainly don't mind that. And it's the type of player they should be looking at. Yeah, I think 30 million is, um, as it's Spurs fan, you're clearly trying to fill the bank account a little bit there. I don't think you'd get him. I don't think you'd, you'd pay 30 million for him, which maybe would put Bournemouth off. If you're Bournemouth, you're maybe looking towards the 12 to eight, or 12, probably 15 to 18 would be fair and reasonable for a homegrown player. But whether that would be enough to to get him out of Spurs, I'm not sure. But it, one player that I thought isn't really being linked with anybody at the minute, um, but one player that I think could do a significantly good job for Bournemouth was Oliver Skip. Yeah, and there's ways you could structure that deal as well. So you could, for example, uh, put a buyback in it. So get him slightly cheaper, do 20 million, but Tottenham could buy him back for 35 or something. You could put him out on loan uh, for the year. Yeah, there's there's ways around getting that deal done. Um, but yes, also interestingly, and actually potentially higher ceiling, Bournemouth might want to look at Pap Mate Sar. Um, mm. Yeah, he's he's doable as well and might be slightly cheaper than Skip in the kind of ranges that you're looking at. So let's move on to Brentford. Uh, So I thought Brentford were quite an interesting team. I don't know about you. I I agree with what you said about Arsenal. Uh, Villa, yeah, should kind of look punchy. Brentford, they were a top 10 finish last year in the league. Um, However, I don't think you necessarily see Brentford as a top 10 club. Like Brighton, fair enough, who are up next, have a lot of acclaim and could easily finish in the top 10 again this year. Brentford, you kind of feel like when others strengthen around them, they'll fall away a little bit. However, mm. they are a money ball club. They do sign smart. There's nothing apart from Tony's ban. There's nothing to suggest to you that they should necessarily fall away that much. They look like they've brought Nathan Collins through the door. They've had a couple of bids rejected for Brennan Johnson, but I'd be surprised if that one happens. Which position have you gone for and what price? Yeah, I've went centre forward. Um, I think there is a void. I agree. I think Bradford are building a really solid squad there, but there is obviously the big Tony void. Um, and he does add to a significant proportion of their goals, either directly as a goal scorer as, or as an assister as well. So they will need to bring somebody in to provide backup. Um, I struggled to kneel down a name here. I looked at Sulemana, who started to come into his own at Southampton towards the end of last season. I looked at Clichy and Nacho as a potential goal scorer to come in as well. Um, but I went for the, the lesser-known route, um, and I went for Anastasios Duvigas um, from FC Utrecht. If you haven't seen him, he's a, he's, a, he's a, just an out-and-out centre-forward. Um, scored 19 goals in the Eredivisie last summer, or last season, I've done it again. Um, four assists as well, but if you look at his stats, I mean, 
0.67 goals per 90 minutes. Averages over three shots per game. Um, but he's a sort of a pressing centre forward who would get high on the, the tackles rank. He would fall within the top 95 percentile of tackles in his position. So could sort of lead the line for Brentford in Tony's absence. And I think both of us think that whenever Tony's back, if he has a good sort of start back to his Brentford career, we could see him leaving relatively quickly after that. So I think from a long-term perspective, the centre forward is and should be their focus. And that's the route that I went down in this case. Yeah, nice. Uh, I've never heard of him, I'll be honest. Uh, but yeah, that kind of makes sense in terms of the profile. And yeah, I think I said it last time that Tony, with a few good months or whatever, might get that move. So it's best to start planning early for that to happen. I went slightly different, though, because I think what Brentford will do in um, the absence of Tony is kind of play false nines and try and get all of the forward players to get around 10 goals. So I thought they should look at Harvey Barnes. Obviously, Brentford are a London club, so that's a bit more of a pull than the Midlands. Um, 35 million-ish should kind of get him if Madison went for 40. He could play false nine. I could imagine Sharda, Embuemo and Barnes all kind of swapping in, interchanging as a front line. Harvey Barnes plays brilliantly on the counter-attack. Brentford are one of the best teams in the league who rely on the counter-attack. 13 goals in the last year. He's been heavily linked to West Ham and some links to Villa. But in terms of the West Ham, like can't Brentford just say we are actually better than them? We finished significantly above them in the league. We are better right now. Um, and yeah, in terms of the ambition of where Brentford want to go, this one makes sense. They bid £30 million for Brennan Johnson, so the money's there to be able to do this. Yeah, that's that's not a bad shot at all. I think there is talk of, of obviously Harvey Barnes to West Ham, but they're focused on the seal of Declan Rice. And whether Brentford could sneak in and try to get that deal done quickly could be an option. But you're right, they're offering sort of London living. They're offering a, a, an attractive style of play under Thomas Frank, um, who will be there for the foreseeable future. Whereas there could be some question marks early in next season if David Moyes doesn't get off to a good start. So I think it's a solid option. I do like Harvey Barnes. I think you could have seen him at somewhere like Spurs or Newcastle this summer. But Brentford absolutely could go in and, and try to swoop in and do that deal quickly if he's up for it. Yeah, nice. So hit me with your Brighton pick next, please. Brighton's a frustrating one. We spoke about this list and how quickly the transfer market's moving. Um, I did go initially as a goalkeeper, but obviously they've signed the Belgian goalkeeper um, or the Dutch goalkeeper yesterday. Um, so I've got two names and I still haven't chosen really between the two because one is James Ward-Prowse, who we all know very well. And we're, I'm looking at the centre midfield role um, because they obviously have lost Alexis McAllister. We think that they likely will lose um, Saicedo in this window as well. So I went down the midfield route, um, one of which I'm not sure would go, but they are offering European football again as well. So I've looked at James Ward-Prowse as the option, which is one that I'll probably pick, but I, I threw in Manu Kone as a replacement to Saicedo as well, someone who breaks the play up, brings the other players in and allows them to go and excel, which I thought he did really well during the first part of the under-21 Euro tournament as well. Uh, but I think I will go for James Ward-Prowse. I think everyone's talking about him to West Ham, whereas West Ham are looking at Tyler Adams. They're looking at some other players. So whether that deal will happen, I'm not sure. But Southampton will need to decrease the fee that they're looking for towards the end of the summer. I think they're looking for £50 million for a relegated player. They're going to struggle to get it based on his age. But 
my initial thinking is that James Ward-Prowse playing in that number eight role, sort of filling the void a little bit of um, Alexis McAllister and allowing Mohamed Dahoud to go and sort of press higher up could be beneficial for Brighton. Yeah, nice. Um, You'll know I'm a big Manu Kone fan after suggesting him on this when we did January, but for Liverpool, Brighton's not the worst landing spot because I can easily see him not getting his move because Liverpool made sense, but if they do go in for Lavia and things like that, he might need an in-between step somewhat, Mm -hmm. and Brighton's a good one for that. Like Brighton also are very much kind of a club who say, come play for us for one or two years and we we don't mind you getting the move. I also went for a midfielder, uh, more of an attacking one though, to replace Alexis Mack. I know he's quite versatile and can do more defensive work, but I think he played his best football for Brighton when you pushed him a bit more further forward as an eight. Um, so I went for the man I love above all uh, people. Do you know who this one is, John? This is a guy I've said needs a transfer for ever i feel like i should know it and i'm just going completely blank at this point center midfielder you really like him attack me with it it is daichi kamada so he is now a free agent um obviously free agents became it on the first of july and he was supposed to go to ac milan that was the rumor that was the one that was lined up but obviously Mm -hmm. You're now three days late, AC Milan. They're a bit of a mess of a club at the minute as well with sacking their backroom staff. So it's not particularly a happy time to go over there. Um, obviously, they've brought in Ruben Loftus-Cheek and I think they've brought in one other midfielder. So there may no, may now be no vacancy there. But if you look at these stats, I think Kamada is the most gettable, similar one to Alexis Mack on the market. So um, in league football last year, McAllister got 10 goals, two assists. Camada got nine goals, six assists. So you're replace you're getting a player who can replace a lot of that output. He's not as good on the defensive stats um, or actually some of the passing ones. But yeah, obviously he did get more assists last year. So he's kind of a nice floaty player who can help with uh, the Zerbi's uh, flowing football. And yeah, I think he just has great output. He can still do all of that defensive work. You could play him in a slightly deeper role. You could play him off the wings. And as a free transfer, um, with the money you're potentially getting from a sale of Caicedo, you have money in from Alexis McAllister. I think you could easily offer him something like a 10 million signing on bonus. And that still be a bargain for Brighton. They've proven with Dehoud that they and Milner in particular that they will go a bit older. Kamada is 27 years old. But yeah, I think this one makes a lot of sense if you can get him. Yeah, that's an excellent shout. Because I sort of saw, I mean, pretty much for me, things have been agreed with AC Milan. Because I think Dortmund were in for a short time. AC Milan agreed personal terms and we sort of stuck to that verbal agreement. But you're right now that the window's open, contracts are being signed and pre-season is starting. He'll want the club and whether Brighton can snoop in and get something done, that'll be interesting to see. I'll say they've tapped into the free transfer market already with Milner and Dahoud um, and it's whether they have the ability to go in and tempt Kamada to come to Brighton and come to the Premier League and um, and play some deserve ball. We'll wait and see, but solid option. I think another agreement in terms of position at least, but we haven't got any form of agreement with the players involved and uh, I don't think we're going to get that for Burnley either it depends how smart you've been if you've been 
the smartest transfer ever, then we'll have an agreement. Um, but who's your pick? Well, uh, this was another one, right? And I went for a goalkeeper for Burnley. And obviously last night they announced the agreement with James Trafford, which is absolutely insane to pay 19 million for a goalkeeper that's only played the highest level of League One. I think it's absolutely crazy. Um, the name that I had down was Robert Sanchez. Obviously lost his place in the Brighton team towards the end of last summer. They've obviously come in and they've been looking for a goalkeeper the entire window and they've got their man now as of a few days ago. So I had Robert Sanchez as someone who might be willing to make that move to Burnley. I could see him likely just going to La Liga somewhere there. But um, I decided to change my choice from Robert Sanchez based on the James Trafford news last night. And I went for a loan signing instead of uh, Cole Palmer from Manchester City. Obviously, that relationship is there. The Trafford deal will go through. Um, Vincent Company's linked back to Man City. And I think Cole Palmer is a player that is outstanding, but I think does need first-team opportunities at this point. I think it's different from Foden in that he got the opportunities in the first team after an extended period. I think Cole Palmer needs to go and play football. And um, and what better place than the team he made his Man City debut against and under Vincent Company at, than at Burnley. And that's the player that I went for. Yeah, nice. I think, um, yeah, the, the, uh, the James Trafford one is pretty interesting. I think you see it occasionally. Like Gahey never played any top flight football and then transferred for 21 million. I know back in the day, Solanke got quite a, decent move without having actually played loads of Premier League football. Sometimes when they're they're good at youth football and the coaches know them from youth football, they can uh they can get their big moves. So I went slightly different. Um I went for a loan for Ahmad Diallo. Sorry, I was just trying to sneeze there, but it didn't didn't come good. Um so he had a great year last year at Sunderland. I've mentioned him on the podcast before. I don't think United fans seem confident that Diallo will come back and make a difference this year. I think he's too far low in the pecking order to be able to do that. And he yeah. is still quite lightweight, which, yeah, doesn't exactly help when you're um, yeah, trying to be kind of like a, a physical team, a dominant team. So I think he could use a year's proving ground in the Prem probably at least, potentially even two. He's still really young, Diallo. Um, and I think company ball, he's ta- He's mentioned that he doesn't want to um, kind of sacrifice his principles next year. I think you'll be at a lower end of the table team, but who will play really nice, attractive football. And I think for the long term for Man United, this would be a great one to do. Um, send him on loan to Burnley. Interesting. Similar to picks in terms of that younger player on the loan uh, deal. I think I completely agree with everything that you've said about Ahmad Diallo. And um, that is why I have him in this list as a loan signing for another club as well. So I agree with all that you've said. But I've initially thought about Diallo for another team before Burnley. Um, So that's why I have not went for that pick. And he is on this list for one of the other um, teams that I would expect to finish in the bottom half. You naughty, naughty. What was that? You naughty. Sorry, my mic uh, went on mute and then, well, I was on mute and then it didn't pick up. I was just going to say, you're nothing, nothing, you're teasing me. Um, 
<laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to wait. However, I don't know if we'll get it in this episode. We're going to split this one up into two parts. Um, so post Fulham, you might not be able to actually, well, post Fulham, it, that Ahmed Diallo shout might go. So yeah. spoiler. next up, we have You'll Chelsea. You'll have to listen to the second part. Oh, yes. That, if there is any reason to listen to the next episode, it's that you must know where Ahmad Diallo goes because he's <laughs> going to be young player of the year in the league next year for sure. Um, next up, we have Chelsea. Chelsea, I feel like anything's a possibility because who knows what's happening under Bowley Ball anymore. There was a link in the paper saying that they want to still get rid of another eight despite it, the window so far seeing nothing but Chelsea players leaving. Um, but I still think, weirdly, with Chelsea, there's a few deals that need to be done. Obviously, they've been linked with Caicedo. That one looks like it will go through. Um, but I think there's a really obvious position that still needs a bit of upgrading, particularly uh, with the leaving of one player in particular. Um, so, yeah, who have you got? What position? Yeah, I've I've taken this opportunity to throw a name out there of a player that I just I just really like and I've mentioned before in this podcast um and I've sort of discussed the player with you directly um a player that I just buzz off I think he's absolutely class I had Cameron. thrown De Gea exactly no I had thrown De Gea out to you as a bit of a a rogue one the more I think about it that actually could potentially work for the short term just until just to get them under the financial fair play uh, hurdles but that's not the route that I went down. I went for a young English centre midfielder who I think would be outstanding alongside Enzo Fernandez and potentially Saicedo to come in as well. And he could play in that number eight box-to-box midfielder. And, and that's Jacob Ramsey. I think Jacob Ramsey's class. And I think he's proven that at the, the under-21 Euros as well this summer. Um, I just think he's, he's a brilliant centre midfielder who... Is coming into his game more and more. He's excellent at picking the ball up and just the progressive carries for Villa in the past few seasons. He's excellent at just finding his way into the box at the right times. Um, he does get stuck in in centre midfield as well, which I like. He's not a, a sort of a player that can carry the ball and, and it's not willing to sort of put himself about. He absolutely will. He is creative. He will take shots um, and he will provide an additional like that to that Chelsea team, I think following the sale of Kovacic um, obviously the free leaving of, of N'Golo Kante um, and I always thought they were quite light in centre midfield following their Jorginho uh, departure as well I think that's a position where they will need to sign more bodies at additional quality and um, and I just think Jacob Ramsey will end up at a top top team in, in the future and um, whether Chelsea is that this summer or not we'll wait and see but this is a player I just I really like and I saw an opportunity to throw his name out there and I, and I thought I would take it. Yeah, nice. It's it, I'll be honest, it's not one I've ever considered. be interesting to see how long is left on his contract because, um, yeah, I'm, I, I think he needs a bit more um, Premier League football. I think uh, having him in Europe this year will be nice kind of to see if he can reach that kind of top, top level. But yeah, he's a he's a decent player, and I think it's one Chelsea should kind of look at if they are going down the young uh, player model, the amortized fifteen year contract. Um, yeah, Jacob Ramsey could be interesting. I think um, I went for goalkeeper. That was the one I was kind of lining up as a position that still needed to be um, 
still needed to be filled. Potentially also striker, you could argue we we kind of discussed uh, Nicholas Jackson last week isn't necessarily the main man. Um, but I went for Yvan Juf from Rems. Um, goalkeeper, 23 years old. Mm-hmm. For those of you who know Will Still, this is the club he manages. Um, and obviously he kind of shot to fame with a big, long winning streak last year. And Juf was such a huge part of that. So in terms of his numbers, pass completion, 73%, pretty good for a goalkeeper. It gives you passing security you've not necessarily had. Save percentage, 78.1%. That is up there with the very, very best. Um, And I think another thing that Chelsea fans would absolutely love about this deal is that he stops 9.3 crosses per 90. So that puts him in the top 97% of goalkeepers. So you've got an active passer, someone who can actually save the ball, and then you've got a proactive goalkeeper. That's everything you should look for in a modern-day goalkeeper. And yeah, he would be ready to take the step up and is someone Chelsea should be looking at for sure. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, I think centre midfielder goalkeeper was were probably the positions you were going after, maybe a centre-forward as well. Um, but yeah, I think you're spot on. I looked at David Raya, but there had been some links to him in, in like May time, and there's been some whispers on Twitter, so I stayed away from that one. Um, but yeah, I think a goalkeeper is a position that Chelsea will look to strengthen, especially after the departure of Edward Mendy to one of the Saudi Arabian clubs. And I can't even remember which club it is. Um, so has an solid, in it. <laughs> yeah, solid selection. Um, if I'm right, Crystal Palace are next. You are my friend. Up next, Crystal Palace. Palace, I have looked at the Palace team for years and thought they need a new right back and every summer they keep doing without and I think Nathaniel Klein and, and Joel Ward continue to to get game time and minutes there and I, I continue to think that they need a new right back so that's the position that I, I went for, I went for a right foot back um, I looked at Soufal at West Ham based on Max Ahrens being uh, linked with West Ham this summer but I, I changed my mind and went for Kyle Walker-Peters and um, we've heard a lot about Livermento to Newcastle, which I think they'll probably be priced out of over the next few weeks. Um, but it's, it sort of went quite quiet on Kyle Walker-Peters, a really high-quality fullback, um, English national team fullback who's had game time with them over the last few years, and rightfully so. I looked at the rest of the market and thought, where could he potentially end up? You mean somewhere like United, potentially, but I don't think so. Um, and there's not many options for Walker-Peters unless he went internationally which i'm not sure if he would so palace could provide a really good you know stop in the road for walker peters um could provide him with the ability to move back to london and uh, play under an experienced manager under roy hodgson and they started to play some really attractive football towards the end of last season and being able to link up with michael alise whenever he comes back from injury um Eze as well could just provide him with an exciting opportunity to get back into the Premier League. So that's the route that I went down. And um, I haven't went overly stat-heavy in this episode uh, for the players that a lot of people will know. I think we all know that Walker-Peters holds a lot of significant um, qualities within his game and providing Southampton with the additional legs on that right side of the defence. And having the likes of Walker-Peters, Anderson, Gahey, and Mitchell, that's a solid defence and backline for Palace to go into the new season with. Yep, I like it. I'm not entirely sure. Like, I'm 
kind of racking my brains through Palace's squad and they'd never really spend all that much money, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, there was that summer where a couple of years ago where they had to buy in loads of players. So spent like 21 million on Gahey and stuff. But I have a feeling that might be their record transfer uh, numbers. So I don't know if Walker Peters will be slightly out of their price range, but he's exactly the type of player that they should be go getting. Um, but I do think they still need a striker and a left winger to replace Saha as well. So I went down the striker route. And I suggested this guy last time. I actually can't remember who for, um, but we like a bit of consistency on this podcast. And it is Michael Gregorovic. So he's a 29-year-old from Freiburg, 10 goals in the league last year, three in the Europa League. But why he is Crystal Palace and Roy Hodgson certified gold is he's in the top 95% for aerials. Ariel's one so that is a big man you can lump it up to he should get you a few more goals than your current options of Edward and Mateta I think this one makes a lot of sense um and yeah Mateta looks like he's going to go back to Germany this year there's a few links there so you free up a striker role and as kind of a bit of a stock fill obviously you've got one more year left of Roy um unless he just renews his contract and decides he's never retiring. I think this one works well. And it's the type of Palace are like, they're never too far away from relegation. Like last year at one point, they looked really kind of set for it. So it's a good idea to get someone in with some experience, get a few goals and yeah, kind of just try and entertain the Palace faithful, have a big man up there to take the Basswing Ram and let Eze and Elise run loose. Yep, completely agree with all of that. Um, I looked at similar type players to fill those voids. I looked at Jack Harrison for the left wing position. I looked at, again, Suleimana to be the big man up front that everyone could play off. And um, But my overarching desire to see Palace sign a right back took over. And that's why I went for Walker Peters. But good option. Don't know loads about him. I think you mentioned him previously for potentially Brentford. Um, but the style of play of him could work and uh, I think the Brighton or not Brighton I think Crystal Palace will need to put their hand in their pocket this summer um, for a number of positions to be able to to build that team to get further up the the Premier League which they would expect to do so we'll wait and see what they do but I think yeah you're right I think right back they filled that void with Jefferson Norman and sent midfield they could potentially add additional bodies there but right back left midfield and striker are probably the positions that they need to to go out and address in this market unless Saha does do the random U-turn and actually sign that four-year contract that's been put in front of him. But I would doubt that at this point. I weirdly think that's more likely than ever, given that he's just um, co-bought AFC Croydon with Stormzy. So it would kind of make sense for him to stay in and around the area, or maybe he's just looking at two or three years of getting the bag to properly fund that project. (laughs) I was going to say, it sounds like a Saudi Arabia move to be able to fund that properly, Yeah, um, which he is being linked with. I think there's four clubs that he's agreed or he's agreed contracts with and it's not up for decision. So we'll see. Um, But yeah, I think that Palace should have a relatively busy window this year. Yeah. Um, So up next, we have Everton, uh, the love of your life, of course. Um, They, yeah, they need to do some business, don't they? They have uh, walked the relegation tightrope very, very closely for the last couple of years. 
they really need to do some good business. Otherwise, yes, they may go down into the championship. What position have you looked at um, and who have you looked at? Yeah, I, I looked at nearly every position um, for Everton. I, obviously, everyone thinks about the lack of goals last summer or last, I don't know again, what am I talking about last summer? Um, the lack of goals last season with Dominic Calvert-Lewin being out and that is probably an area that they absolutely need to address. But Yerry Mina's just left. Conor Cody's went back to Wolves um, at the end of his loan and obviously then moved on to Leicester. So I think they're, they need to really address the centre-half position. Um, and that's the route that I went down. I, we look at, we've talked about Pau Torres at Aston Villa and that's an incredible move for Villa to get Pau Torres in the door. But you very rarely, it, it's quite random. You, you a lot of the time see two right-footed centre-halves in the same team, um, but you very rarely see two left-footed ones. And I don't see, I don't see a long-term future potentially for Tyrone Mings at Aston Villa following the the arrival of Pau Torres and I think this could be an excellent opportunity for him to move to Everton and play alongside James Tarkowski and set up a really good partnership there. Player that previously had been club captain at Villa that got stripped from last season had a horrible first half of the season and we spoke about it when we're picking our England squads for the World Cup but he was absolutely outstanding in the second half so there is a player there. His stats don't overly reflect that. His stats aren't very good but I think he could be a good player for Everton and, um, and, like I said, build up that partnership with James Tarkowski and fill that Yerry Mina and Conor Cody filled void um, that have walked out of Goodison this summer. I think, obviously, adding, they would need to do business for reasonable rates, whether that's a loan with an option to buy um, from Villa or whether it's a permanent deal for relatively cheap. I think, potentially, the selling of Damari Gray might help fund the rest of the window for Everton if they can do some business to get rid of him for around thirty million to to Saudi Arabia, we'll wait and see. But I think they do need to address their defence because if they're not scoring enough goals or if they can't definitely keep Calvert-Lewin fit, then they definitely need to try and shore up the defence. Yeah, I agree. Centre back was one I looked at um, because Yerry Mina is actually class. However, he's just permanently injured. Um, but they've got his wages off the bill now, which I believe were over a hundred k. So, yeah, it kind of makes sense to look at that position. I actually looked at right back, though, because you have a super aging Seamus Coleman there. I know you've got uh, Patterson, but potentially it's upgradable or it's something you could do something with. Um, So I thought you could get a landing spot for Ivan Fresneda. So he's been linked with Arsenal quite heavily. Not really this window. Arsenal have spent them budget I would imagine now um, but he got relegated with Valladolid last year um, I actually saw a TIFO video where they suggested him for Real Madrid so this is fairly punchy um, but yeah should be affordable because they got relegated I think you're looking at kind of maybe 10 million maybe up to 15 million euros potentially but he's pretty elite for blocks tackles and inceptions but also gives you something forward um, quite good carry and take on numbers despite his zero goals, zero assists last year. Don't let that fool you. He is pretty active in the final third as well. I think this one could be quite interesting. Nice. Yeah, could be interesting. Right back as a void, obviously. I think they do see Patterson as a a good long-term option. Um, But like I said, I think centre midfield was probably the only place I didn't look at for Everton with the likes of Garner still coming through. 
Unana there, uh, Decore. You could you could sign multiple players across all positions. Um, so right back wouldn't have been the first one that I'd went for, but I'll take your word for it. I'll take it that he's a good player. And uh, I think Everton should be busy if the funds are available to them this summer. But they'd need to improve that team to stay away from the relegation battle this season. Definitely. So finally, we have um, Fulham on this part. Make sure you uh, keep your ears pricked up to, uh, yeah, make sure that you get the Amadiallo spoiler for next uh, for next time's episode. I think we'll do that on Thursday, so you will get it this week. But yeah, Fulham, I thought there was one really, really obvious position that needed a filling here, um, but I'm interested to see if you had the same. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I immediately looked at a longer term replacement for Harrison Reed. Um but then we do not I just went have a bit rogue same. on this one. No, I just went a bit rogue on this one. Um I saw that I think Willian has officially left Fulham at this point. I think his contract has expired. He has, um, yeah. I know that I mean they probably needed more goals with Mitrovic not in the team at the end of last season as well with his ban. There's numerous positions they could address. Um but I went for a winger. And mine, again, is a little random, but they, over the last few years, mainly over the last year, really, they've built up a good rapport with Arsenal, um, with the signing of Leno, with Cedric, uh, obviously William, former Arsenal player as well. So I went down that route, and I, I thought I'd throw out Nicolas Pepe as an option for Fulham. I think playing under someone like Marco Silva, could help bring out the best in that type of flair player who plays off the right, cutting inside, trying to link in with the bigger centre forward and someone who is willing to get a shot off at any opportunity given. I think the big price tag for Nicolas Pepe and his move to Arsenal a few seasons ago sort of put the pressure on him you know, from day one and I don't think he was able to live up to that pressure but his stats for Arsenal aren't that bad if you compare him to Jadon Sancho at United. You know, he's, he's performed better in terms of goals and assists than Sancho has for United, which isn't isn't saying much, but it's just sort of putting a few points in, into place. I still think there's a player there. I don't I think he had previously been linked with Newcastle, so there's clearly a player there if we're seeing links with that type of calibre of team at the Champions League football at this point. Um I he went to Lille last season. I don't think he played loads of football. Um he played eighteen games, got six goals, so a goal every third game. I just think so. I just think it would provide a little bit of a different dynamic to that Fulham team, who I'm excited to see what they do this season, and um, I think Nicholas, Nicholas Pepe could be an interesting option for them for the 2023-24 season. Yeah, so I agree. It was it was winger I looked at as well because uh, Solomon now looks like he's gone to Spurs, so it's not just Willian uh, filling the void. <sighs> Pepe, uh, I don't know. I, I agree there is a player in there. I think he's the type of player who looks better in other leagues. Obviously, he's quite pacey. When he's confident, he's quite skillful. Um, I think if you whacked him in the Spanish league or back in the French league or something, his numbers would supercharge. But yeah, I do actually agree with you that his numbers at Arsenal haven't actually been as bad as he's um, kind of derided as. However, a lot of that is in the Europa League. So again, that kind of, reaffirms my point on is he a decent player but in the wrong league um so I've gone yeah a winger too 
And I've gone for Daniel Pedence. So he's only got one year left on his contract. I think, obviously, upgrading uh, the Midlands for London again, it's the Harvey Barnes factor. He got six goals last year and has really good progressive carry numbers. Um, But yeah, I just think you could sell him the dream of not having to attack for the world's most turgid team in Wolves. Like Fulham, their underlying numbers last year were actually horrible. They were a relegation side based on those. Um, And obviously, if Willian Hasley left, you've got five goals, five assists to replace. You've got... um, the four goals in limited minutes that Manuel Solomon got last year as well. So you need a winger who can contribute something to the attack. Pedence has one year left on his contract, so it does look like he's and isn't going to re-sign. So it does look like he's angling to leave Wolves. I think that is a really smart Premier League to Premier League type of deal um, that, yeah, could see Fulham profit off the back of that. Yeah, that's actually a great show. I I very much like that that shout. Um I I think Potence is a good player as well, but we saw with the likes of Sarabia coming in in January, Potence has never really got that run of games that you would expect him to have. Um but I, I think that's a, a great recommendation. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of your recommendations in the next episode. Yeah, 100%. Um, Same back to you. Uh, I was actually thinking as I was reading this because my uh, one of my next names is already getting uh, Fabrizio Romano today has uh, basically (laughs) said that he's free and available on the market. He hasn't actually linked them to a club yet, but basically said that the player isn't going to re-sign a contract. So I'm looking forward to having to rip up a couple of these before uh the next episode but i will of course tell everyone how hard i've been working if i do have to with any of them um so yeah great little app um make sure you do give that a listen because we could have solved your club's solution um and yes always good to tell people at the end of the episode to tell them to listen to this episode but look forward <laughs> to doing part two um anything else the listeners should know john Nope, just turn those notifications on. Um, follow us on socials. We'll start to, to post more and more now that we're at season two. So uh, thank you for coming back to season two. Pass the podcast on to your friends and tune in next time around to hear some of the rogue transfer shouts that we think should and could work this summer. Awesome. Uh, great to chat to you as always, John. We've been over the top football. See you later. Appreciate it. Cheers, Rob. Bye. Thank you.